Welcome to the Building Doctor Show with Jens Johansson. There we go. Okay, everybody, it is 3.30. We are wanting to stay on track. So welcome to the Building Doctor Show. I am your host, Jens Johansson. Glad to see you here, uh, trying to learn more about your buildings. So this, this show is dedicated to sharing information and resources for you to keep your buildings in good condition and therefore maximum value. And uh, <clears throat> we want to keep your community and users happy and not fighting with each other too. And this is something that not a lot of people talk about. They can talk about buildings and, and maintenance and things like that. But if you're a board member and you're getting evil stares in the elevator lobby because, you know, your HOA is unhappy or if people are glaring at you at the mailbox, uh, we want to get that corrected. So we also see that in commercial and tenant, tenant work as well. But, uh, you know, old landlord didn't follow the rules. New landlord is, you know, and so then all the tenants get unhappy. So we actually perform a lot of counseling for our clients and maybe we need to see a little therapy for how bad customers are treating each other. But uh, that's another show. We'll actually get to that. So today's sponsor is J2 Building Consultants. Uh, we are, they are a fantastic group of engineers, designers, and project managers that help diagnose, prescribe, and treat sick buildings. So just like a doctor, they diagnose the problem, prescribe the right uh, solution and repair, and then help you treat the problem by overseeing the contractors to make sure they put the building back together correctly. You will find J2 in Seattle, Portland, Oregon, and Salt Lake City and the surrounding states and find them on the web, of course, at j2consultants.com. So since we know where, since you know where I am, we're going to run a little poll here. Tell us where you are. So it's a couple of quick questions. What state you located in? What are you doing on your building? Are you a manager? Are you a board member? Are you a tenant, resident, things like that? This will help us understand our audience, know who you are, be able to tailor what we're talking about today a little bit better to you. Uh, while we're filling it out and waiting for others to join, let's talk about some of the format here. So the <clears throat> format for this show is obviously webinar based, but it, think of it like an hour and think of it as a screen that we can, we can do almost classroom type stuff with. We're going to show you pictures. We're going to talk about what, what works, what doesn't work. Uh, we're going to be, you know, reading things with you, sharing things with you, pointing in the right direction and, uh, you know, letting you see that more as a classroom educational side and a little bit more serious than, you know, say our social media channels where we get 15, 20 seconds to kind of show what we're talking about and it's a video and there's not a lot of context there. But uh, check us out, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Yes, you heard that right. And YouTube. So we had, you know, TikTok is not just for guys not wearing shirts and uh, girls dancing around. It is for a building doctor showing you pulling off siding. Uh, one of our last videos uh, got 25 million views. So we know people want to look at this. We know they want to talk about it. How is that happening? Uh, we, we can do that with you in a bigger uh, format like this. This format also lets us have guests. 
today uh, is just me, but uh, we've got we've got the next episodes lined up with contractors, lenders, uh, and we're looking for a good real estate agent that can talk to us about Form 17 disclosures. One of the questions today will be on that on that topic. So let's go over and in the poll. We've got, uh, let's see, sharing the results there. Everybody's from Washington today. Great. We've got a Washington Condo Act thing, uh, managers and board members. So let's see, we'll stop, stop sharing that. And so uh, one couple more things, disclaimers. This show is free. So put away your credit cards. We're not selling you anything. Number two disclaimer, yeah, this show is for educational content only. We're not giving you legal, financial, or engineering advice via uh, this webinar, and I'm actually not a medical doctor. I'm just a guy on the internet trying to help you run your building better, and uh, I've helped thousands of people with their building problems, and I've seen what worked and what didn't, and I want to share that with you in hopes that it benefits you. Uh, Thomas Edison said, I didn't, I didn't make 10,000 mistakes in making the light bulb. I learned 10,000 ways it didn't quite work. What we're trying to fast track ahead on is not having to do those 10,000 mistakes, not having to live through that, but just tell me the light bulb I need. Let's go from there. We'll learn from each other. We'll share, share this content. Uh, <clears throat> so let's see. I may be a guy on the internet, but feel free to ask for my CV if you want to know my experience there and Brooke can share that. Uh, okay, so let's get on with the show. Welcome. Today is episode one. It's March 2022. Everybody's getting tired of the slap memes. So thank you for being here. We're excited to be here and sharing this information with you. This is a monthly show, the last Tuesday of every month. And so that'll allow you to submit your questions all month. We've got seven questions today that were submitted uh, this, past, this past month, and we deemed building Dr. Show worthy. But stay tuned to the end for some live Q&A. You'll use that Q&A tab up in the center screen there, uh, and we'll answer as many as we can in this hour. We're going to try hard to stick to our hour, and then we'll add any unanswered questions to the next show. So. <clears throat> Uh, use that. As far as sponsors, we have a couple of sponsorship giveaways. Nice travel mug from J2. We'll do some kind of random number drawing. We've got some J2 coffee, J2 brew. This has uh, been a big hit. So coffee and a coffee mug for it to go in. Uh, and so this, this is a show where you can submit your questions all week. And of course, we're going to offer you if you want any kind of 15 minute consult call with me or somebody else, and we can talk you through your specifics there. So let's get into the show. First, okay, so quick agenda. So here's our, here's our seven questions. First question, my builder's telling me to paint over the cracks in my stucco. I don't know what to believe. That's, that's a pretty good one. We'll have some pictures there and some damage underneath it. Second question, can you explain RCW 6455 and tell me what a qualified inspector's duties would be? Yes, we can talk through that. And everybody's from Washington, so this is a Washington standard. We'll talk about that. We know some leaks coming from the unit above us. Is the association responsible for the repair? And should I get my insurance company involved anyway? 
we have one board member who refuses to spend money on any repairs or maintenance. Any advice on that? Yep, we've seen that too. Uh, three more in the end. So let's see the fifth question. We've had a contractor excavate some dirt to finish our crawl space. And we can see the footings on the foundation. Uh, sixth one, I bought a home that was supposed to be move in ready, but we've discovered tons of rot and mold. What kind of recourse do I have? So this is that real estate disclosure question. Uh, everybody knows the housing market these days everywhere is overpriced or you know, over asking and waiving inspections. What is that doing for <laughs> the list of uh, defective conditions that are getting passed right through? Uh, last question, I'm interested in purchasing a, be purchasing a beautiful 1900 cottage. The foundation appears to be in decent condition. Uh, so, you know, can you let me know from your, from your thoughts there? So let's see. And then ending with live Q&A. If we don't get to all the cues, we'll cover them in the next show. All right, today. Okay, here's the bigger question. My builder is telling me, this is that stucco question. My builder is telling me that because the home is stucco and the stucco has some cracking in pinholes, I just need to repaint the home and seal up the holes and cracks. I don't know what to believe because it seems like the window was improperly installed and they, the builder, they don't wanna be responsible. So that's their way out of it. Uh, they're also blaming things on the homeowners lack of maintenance and just kind of pushing back. They don't want to do anything. And what do we do there? So again, these are actual questions we get every day on the social channels, on just, you know, the random ask, ask questions. So we take these and let's put them in the bucket and let's talk about them uh, once a month. So, uh, whoops, bump the mouse. There we go. So stucco, stucco is awesome. I love it. It's a very durable coating and has a 50 to 80 year lifespan. It's, it's right. It's, it's kind of cement, right? It's a combination of cement, sand, and lime. And they make a coating. Think of it like a tiramisu. It's the hard frosting on the outside of the building, right? So we're not going to get into too much of three coat systems, one coat systems, et cetera. Uh, but a good, hard, good coating, as long as it doesn't start cracking and fracturing and, getting things, things going on, it'll last a long time. We've, we've opened up really old buildings that, uh, that uh, look great underneath. The key to stucco is making sure that you've got uh, good drainage under the stucco system. So does it have two layers of building paper? That's a requirement. So building paper is your weather resistive barrier or your building's raincoat. And then is it, is it looking good? Does it have little cracks in it, big cracks? Are these cracks coming out of window openings, things like that. And are there other penetrations in the wall, windows, vents, things like that, that could be leaking into the wall. So the question was, I think my windows also improperly installed and leaking. Uh, how do we check this? And can we just paint over it? Uh, the industry, the stucco marketing painting industry uh, in the eighties came out with what's called an elastomeric paint. We actually use that on deck coatings right now but it's, it's very waterproof, water resistant, and it keeps water from penetrating in. But if you have a stucco system that's gotten kind of old and cracked and tired and has some water underneath it, once you coat it with that, you're wrapping your building in a plastic bag because there's no permeance. 
So breathing of, or air transmission passing through the system. So the building sweats to death and rots from the inside out because you've coated it with the wrong product. The mid eighties, this coating was uh, very popular, uh, Pacific Northwest, Canada, and, and it caused lots of problems in there. So the coating was the problem and the pre-water leaks getting sealed right up was the problem. Today, we've got good, good coatings that are breathable. Uh, we, uh, we really like the 100% silicone coating. Uh, it's, it's very breathable. Silicone is a, a great water-resistant barrier. Uh, comes in lots of colors. Gives the building kind of a sheen, like you've armor-alled it. Uh, makes it look shiny. Um, but there's plenty of manufacturers there that, that have other levels of coating. Think like paint. Exterior paint works just fine. It breathes. Uh, you can paint it all the way up to coating being a spectrum. So coatings are super heavy duty paint. So more expensive, more robust. A lot, a lot of times they'll have a warranty and, and things like that. So there's options there on what you can seal that up with. Now, can you seal up the cracking and pinholes? So that's the, that's the value judgment there you have to make a decision on. Little nicky pinholes, yes, your coating will cover those for the most part. Little cracks, yes, it'll bridge that. Maybe you can. Maybe there's manufacturer's information about about sealing them or applying some different uh, manufactured products. Some of them have a crack sealer, etc. Be careful about being able to see the if they take their finger and you know smear it on there. That was a technical noise, by the way. So they're caulking the crack shut, and then you paint it. It's just like you do that to a wall in your bedroom and you'll see this blah going down the exterior of the wall and you might, depending on the color, you might see some of these things jump out at you. So it might look awful, but let's get in some pictures here. So here's an example. Let me, I've, I've got highlighters, pens and stuff, laser pointers. Okay, here is a commercial building. It's a stucco system on this side. The stucco had been coated. You can actually see they kind of wrapped around the corner there a little bit. They didn't get over to this side and you can see all the cracking and actually the fading. The water is going in and out of the stucco system. Uh, you can see it kind of building up across the bottom. You see that brown stain line and we'll talk about that in a second. The stucco itself, the cracking isn't falling off the building. It's, it's still adhered, but it just looks bad. And you can actually see where they coated it. They ran out of coating or ran out of energy to go around the corner. And this actually looks a lot better. And so it's, it's, it's shedding water. It's looking better. But this uh, definitely needs to be coated, if not replaced. And uh, let me take you to some other pictures about that. So we can take off our laser pointer. Here, here's a big crack. So that's not a small hairline crack. That is a big crack. I've got something inserted in there, some kind of probe or something, but you're not gonna be able to bridge that kind of crack. And then you'll also see that the stucco system comes right up to the trim or EIFS coin, EIFS, exterior insulated finished system. It's actually a piece of foam here. We call it a coin because we put it on top, stands out, looks like trim. But you can see the window is sitting right on that piece of sill trim, flat. Uh, some of these, some of the stucco buries the weeps. And so the window, it can't drain. And guess what? 
Over here, you can see the sheathing. It's supposed to be a nice bright orange color. It's kind of brown and multicolored. You can see the framing really hammered. This building is about five years old at the time of this photo. So this stucco is leaking, uh, big cracks and uh, causing water damage in beneath it. So that raises another question. <clears throat> the builder says I can just paint the stucco. Okay, what's going on under the stucco? Remember we talked about trapped water and potential damage. Do a little investigation to kind of see what's going on and do you see any problems under there? Because you could spend a whole bunch of money and coat this stucco system and you'd just be sealing in the rot. You'd be sealing in the bad stuff. You would essentially take your coating money and throw it in the dumpster because you just have to do all this again. So <clears throat> we look at the next slide. Here's kind of a similar picture. You can see some of these cracks, these vertical cracks coming out. They're kind of dirty. Maybe they have some brown water staining coming out of them. That's actually the tannins in the plywood and framing. And so that's coming out, seeping out. Um, what happened here? The window wasn't installed right. The window itself was leaking. The stucco itself is leaking. All sorts of things are going on here. So should I, could I paint over this and call it a day? Absolutely not. And doing a little opening like this, blow a window or a vent, just to check and make sure, not terribly expensive, but you, you really found out an issue there and uh, didn't waste any more money painting it or caulking it or blaming it on maintenance. You knew you had some bigger issues. So last step here, that's back to that green building again. Remember the wall and, the, and we see the brown staining across the bottom because what happens to the water? Water runs down the wall and stays at the bottom of the wall. Where is the wall going to be the, the uh, wettest? At the probably the bottom of the wall. So here's a kind of an it's not as invasive. It's a probe. It's a, it's a water meter. It's a moisture meter with a stucco probe. These are, these are prongs. Uh, you can see we drill some little holes and stick the meter in and then caulk those holes shut. But it's a fast way to kind of check the, is the substrate wet and is the substrate mushy? Because I'm pushing this pin into the, into the wood. If the wood is all deteriorated and, and totally messed up, it's just gonna go, again, that technical sound of here's my probes going through that product. So we were able to go around the building and check, you know, go up the wall a little bit and say, no, nothing's, nothing's, uh, it's not wet up here, it's wet down here. Where it's wet, it's still pretty firm. I would still replace that stucco and, and anticipate, you know, five, 10% framing replacement instead of, that other building with the below the windows had, you know, 20, 30%. So the white efflorescence, the white marks here are indications of water traveling through the system, carrying the salts and the limes out of the, out of the, uh, out of the lime and the cement. And it's a good indication of there's, there's water trapped in that system and it's coming out. And so that is that for stucco. And can you paint it? Absolutely. Can you coat it? Sure. Let's make sure that we, if it's wet or water damaged underneath it, that we're not just sealing in another big problem. Your coating won't heal your framing. And so it'll keep, keep water out, but it might actually trap some of the water. Okay. Next question. Contractor inspections. 
<clears throat> Hello, my board is looking to replace the roofs on six buildings in our condo community. We don't have the budget to do an inspection before starting the work, but we know the roofs have to be replaced. I know RCW 6455 says we have to have an inspection done before starting work. Almost. But can we just have the contractor inspect it? No. If we hire an inspector, what are their duties or roles? Okay, let's talk about this. So this they have to do an inspection before, they don't have the budget, uh, they, they're referencing a law or a standard there. <clears throat> They've got it a little twisted and, it, and uh, I, I don't blame them. It's a confusing thing, but we're gonna walk through that. So the before starting the work, this gets back to remember our stucco talk about, let's look what's under here. Let's in this roof replacement, let's jump up into the attics, make sure the attic ventilation is working correctly. Let's poke around a little bit, make sure some soffits aren't damaged so that we can set these damage uh, allowances or contingencies accurately uh, instead of jumping into a job and, and, and just getting change orders left and right from the contractor when they have to do the work that we could have found out about by doing a little inspection. These folks are mentioning, I've got to get some inspection work happening during the job or uh, I know there's a law that says I have to have an inspector. So let's talk about that. Um, <clears throat> we talked about pre-repairs to assess damage. During significant restoration work, it is, it is law to work on the building envelope. And it's also best practice to be able to watch, watch the building going back together. Make sure the contractor is building it per plans and specs. Make sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And just kind of oversight uh, periodic inspections, whether it's weekly or two times a week or every other week, uh, it's a function of function of your contractor. So let's let's jump in a lot. This is where I'm going to rub some people the wrong way here a little bit. <clears throat> Here's what the law says: all multi-unit residential buildings doesn't say condo, doesn't say apartment, it doesn't say those little six pack infill where they tore down the little house and now they built four to six to eight units. It looks like a condo, walks like a condo, quacks like a condo, but it's not a condo. It's a zero lot line, independent home, lot, et cetera, multi-unit residential building. Hmm, weird. It says all multi-unit buildings shall have the building enclosure inspected by a qualified inspector during the course of initial construction and during rehabilitative construction, the building enclosure. So I don't wanna get into too much of that detail. We'll have a lawyer on another show, but this is what it says, uh, apartments. If you're replacing the siding, you gotta have some inspections during construction. Now, <clears throat> comes out of the Condo Act. We're gonna be, we're gonna get some pushback in the chat and say, oh, but that's part of the Condo Act. Well, okay. Here's where I say talk to your lawyer, okay? So we see the, the information is written plainly. Now, let's talk about the inspectors and their qualifications and what they can and can't do. Remember, the question was, can my, can't, can't the contractor just do that? Okay, so the qualified building envelope uh, enclosure inspector, they can be the architect or engineer of record. So that means the person who stamped the plans. So architects or engineers can stamp the building envelope plans and or another person with six things, substantial and verifiable 
training and experience, we're up to four, in building on enclosure design and construction. Okay, substantial and verifiable. Do I have a degree in construction? Do I have certificates in construction? Do I have these plaques on my wall that says I received substantial and verifiable training? Do I also have substantial and verifiable experience? Have I actually done, done this work for a while and have experience in it? Uh, and then experience in building enclosure design. Can I put a design together to do the building enclosure? Am I reviewing design documents all the time? Am I participating in the design process? Even though I may not be a licensed architect or a licensed engineer, I can still understand what the building enclosure design is and construction. So have I ever built a building? Have I ever installed windows? Have I ever put on siding? Uh, do I have familiarity do I have substantial verifiable and training and experience in building on closure construction? So here's where I'm gonna get some hate. If you have an architect degree and you've performed high rise architecture, do you qualify for this? I don't know. You don't have verifiable training and experience in building closure construction. So step back from that. I'm not trying to pick any fights, but here's what the law says. And regardless what some guy on the internet says. Here's what the law says in Washington. Pay attention to it. And let's not get in trouble because we hired the wrong person. So it goes down and says, must be free of improper influence or interference related to the inspections. What does that mean? Hey, I'm a developer. Hey, I'm paying your bill. Hey, I'm tired of these failing reports. If you want to get your bill paid, start giving me some passing reports, would you? That's improper influence, okay? So working for the developer or, you know, it even goes so far as the next one may not be an employee, officer, director, or have a pecuniary, pecuniary interest in the developer, the association, a party providing the services for materials for the project. So a financial interest. So I'm partners, I have another LLC where I'm partners with the developer, or I'm even partners with the association, or I'm, wait a minute, I'm on the association's payroll for something? Uh, that kind of excludes me from, from being the uh, qualified building inspector or any party providing services and materials. One could argue that the contractor is providing materials so the contractor can inspect their thing. So we, We've gone round and round on this. I don't want to beat the dead horse too much further, but read this, understand it, understand who is doing your inspections and why, and understand it needs to be in during rehabilitative construction. So, and pre-repairs, pre-repairs are great. Uh, I'm sorry, pre-inspections are great to assess any potential damage there. Okay, next slide. Question three, okay, hi, we noticed the wall and medicine cabinets in the downstairs bathroom was wet, discovered there was a leak behind the wall in the upstairs bathroom somewhere above the tub, I can't see exactly where it's coming. We're part of an association, the bylaws indicate we own everything from the paint out, meaning into the unit, and they, the association owns the drywall in to the wall. Um, <clears throat> so technically this leak is inside the wall because it's coming through, it should be on them. Okay, so who should go fix this? Who should call their insurance company first? Uh, you know, what if there's 
we have we have three or four of these right now where it's like my upper ceiling in the bedroom has brown water stains on it coming from the roof, but the association or the board is ignoring me and telling me to paint it. And we're just like, oh boy. Okay, so let's stop. Let's break this break this thing down. Okay, it's coming from the tub. Okay, so are we unit 201 is above 101 in a stack? We've all seen that. Is it kind of interior? Did the kids play in the tub and splash water all over and cause a little flood? Did the toilet overflow? We call those resident issues. Did the resident do something upstairs that flooded the downstairs? Uh, typically in that type of environment, their two insurance companies are talking to one another and they <clears throat> you know, need to figure it out. If it's an exterior wall and water is flowing down the wall and medicine cabinet and it's an exterior wall, we need to rule out if this is an exterior issue, like our windows that were leaking in the stucco pictures, like our roof or, you know, the roof is leaking. Like in my example, I just talked about, is this coming from an exterior element that is controlled by the master association, like building on enclosure, uh, then we might have a little bit of a different issue. It's not a resident issue. They're not splashing water around. The water is, is uh, coming down the siding. So in that instance, the association should be the ones fixing and trying, you know, maintaining, getting their, getting their master policy in there, et cetera. Um, so you can, you kind of have to start separating these things out. Maybe it's a plumbing pipe issue, bad piping, bad draining. Somebody screwed something through a plumbing pipe and caused a leak. So all those things come into play here a little bit. And we've got the definitions of common element, limited common element, and uh, your own stuff from the paint in. So we typically, your manager should be going through some of the bylaws and, and helping you understand that. The board should be helping you understand what is their responsibility and what is yours. And then if you have a neighbor to neighbor thing, hey, your kids are causing water to be dripped all over the place. Now, here's the problems. When we see the master policy step in, the master policy, they're a big, you know, here's $15 million just in case this, this uh, project burns down. So they've got a big deductible. They have, you know, so they start with a $25,000 deductible. And so they clean up your mess, but they say you owe everything because the deductible comes out of your pocket. So there's no coverage there for you, the uh, unit owner anyway. And so you kind of get stuck on that. Uh, sometimes the master policy will be come in, they'll then subrogate back against the other policy. You know, it's just, but it's a complicated thing. So sometimes you need some help steering the path because every single one of these, obviously adjusters and insurance companies will say, no, not our fault. No, not our fault. So get those bylaws out. If the bylaws are unclear, get some rules written about what happens because we see these little floods and after you have the dry out guys and, and sucking the rugs out and pulling some drywall out and doing all that stuff, you're talking 25 to $30,000 per leak. And so uh, there's something to pay attention to and let's not get burned by a big deductible. Okay, let's see. Okay, a little bit of a respite there to grab a drink of water. So the, you know, does any of this stuff sound familiar so far? Hopefully we're touching on some stuff that's pretty common. Um, 
And then I talked earlier about a clarity call, talk one-on-one with me, set up a 15-minute call with with one of our building doctors, get some specific specific (laughs) advice on your building. Use that link. The link will be in the chat. Brooke will set set that up for you. It's free. Talk to me and we'll walk you through some of that stuff. Uh, You know, if anything, the pandemic taught us how to use Zoom, taught us how to do you know, these uh, FaceTimes and things like that. A lot of these turn into quick FaceTimes of, hey, can I show you a crack? Should I be worried about this? Here's a stain on my ceiling. What do you think? And I'll say, hey, run outside. Let me see the outside of the building. Run inside. Let me see what's going on. I bet you it's that. And uh, we can we can develop a plan going forward real fast instead of just a just an old phone call. But we can help you with that. We've got some extra services around that too. So, okay, next question, board disagreements. Oh, these are good ones. So, hello, this is kind of a sensitive subject between us board members. We have one board member who always wants to defer maintenance and save the community from spending too much money. The truth is he is scared to have maintenance done because he's in a different financial situation than the rest of us and doesn't want to spend 6,000 or even 600 to maintain the roof. Any advice? Yeah, we hear this a lot. And so on the first, on the first side of it, on the human compassion side of it, no board wants to, wants to kick out their fellow resident because they can't live here. Uh, That's not fun. But there is, you know, there is some relativity. Um, I, I can't live downtown Manhattan. I can't live downtown Tokyo. I just have to move somewhere that I can afford. And for life's reason, it, it, it all comes down to, hey, at sometimes maybe I can't afford this place anymore. Property taxes are going up. I mean, all these things are going up. So maybe it's time for me to think about moving um, to be able to afford it. But if we get beyond that, then we have the next the next uh, uh, old comment that I think is kind of kind of cute, where the client or the resident says, "I'm going out of here feet first, meaning dead on a gurney." And so it's like, why should I put more money into my building? I get it. I'm on a fixed income. I get it. Um, and so, but when you are a board member, you take on a responsibility to run for the good of the order and the good of the association. And so when somebody is saying, I don't want to spend any money, that just doesn't make any sense at all. We know costs have come up. We know cost of living, cost of materials, cost of all that stuff has come up. Buildings don't maintain themselves. It's just like your car. You got to do oil changes, tire changes, brake changes, things like that, and keep your building in great shape. So I understand not wanting to spend money. I I, I can agree. I don't like spending money if I don't have to either. But there is a time and place to exercise reasonable judgment. And you as a board maybe have voting power. Maybe, uh, you know, five against one is, is still is still a, a passing score. Who knows? But these, these are things you need to work through there. Because your, uh, your bylaws and your, uh, what do you call them, governing documents, are all the same in that. The one thing I want you to take away. So let's see. They all say the association shall perform. Now this, it's usually up in section one, two, or three. 
And this section of this particular bylaws is, is kind of confusing and it's talking about building enclosures, but here's where it says it. The association shall maintain. It doesn't say the association when they get around to it. The association, if they have the money, they'll do something. The association, if this particular board member is mad and doesn't want to spend $600, it just says the association shall maintain, period. And if you don't have the money, the association shall assess. And so we hear it a lot. Well, we don't have any money. <laughs> That's not what your rule book says, but I get it. It's real life. But we also see back countersuits coming back saying, you're not following the rules. Nobody's expecting you, Mr. Board President, to be a licensed architect or an accountant or a lawyer or a you know, contractor, but we are expecting you to exercise business reasonableness, meaning go hire an expert to be able to look at this for you, to be able to give you a strategy to kind of get out of the predicament you're in or to follow these laws or to revise these laws. You can revise them and do what you need to do according to the rule book, but don't beat around the bush and just, you know, what's that old photo song, you know, hear no evil, see no evil, speak, you know, la, 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 nothing's wrong. Doesn't work that way. So read your stuff and boards disagree. Yep. That's where you get somebody to mediate like a community manager or even a consultant or a lawyer. <laughs> so, <clears throat> okay. Next question, crawl space remodel. We're doing well on time. We got 20 minutes left. Crawl space remodel. Hi, we recently excavated some dirt in the crawl space of our basement as part of a remodel process. Okay. We were gonna pour slab, make a storage area out of it. Uh, we exposed some foundation footings. Uh, and uh, you know, our goal was to you know, build this retaining wall and do this rebar. What, what do you think? Okay, so you, they sent us some pictures. You can send some pictures on our, on our, on our feeds and questions. Um, yeah, here's the dirt undermining their foundation. So the foundation of your building is sitting on compacted fill or you know compacted, you know, uh, soil. And when you go digging into it and disturbing that, now that footing can fall off and and cause problems, and the building can settle and you know big big settlement. So the deeper they go, we've seen people have a five foot, you know, headspace and they'll dig three or four feet out to make another room down there. So it's not just a one bedroom condo on the first floor. It's a one bedroom with a basement. Here comes some stairs. So, <laughs> but the crawl space is typically limited common element or even association element. And uh, you need to get approval to be doing that stuff. But if this is your home, Bottom line, you've, you've now disturbed the foundation and footing. There's ways to do it, uh, to, to fix this. You can pour reinforced concrete. You can do pin piles, which are uh, pilings. Basically think about a piling going out over a body of water. You're, you're actually piling down into the soil to support that footing there. But there is a big problem. Digging and rooting around your footings uh, will cause a problem. So. Yes, you have a problem. Yes, you need an engineer to come out there and take a peek. So uh, you also got to worry about drainage. You're digging deeper down. Where, what's, what's the groundwater doing? Um, all sorts of that stuff. So this is kind of an interesting one. It's like, stop, put the shovel down. Would you stop digging? Um, okay. All right. Move in ready. Here's a house. 
Now this one is, is kind of the interesting, interesting one. This came over on Instagram last week. I bought a home that was supposed to be move-in ready minus some paint and carpet. Yeah, we've all been there. I hired a reputable inspector and even had an appraisal from the VA. Okay, well, it turned out the home was a complete disaster full of mold and rot like your videos. Later, we discovered the inspector was not even licensed. Whew, what kind of recourse do we have, if any? Here's an important thing. I feel we're just gonna be stuck in the eternal courtroom and pay more to lawyers in the end. Wise, wise uh, thought there. So let's look at the photos. It looks like they pulled the siding off uh, around their windows, at least on this one front elevation. Here you can see, you know, a little bit older construction. You can say, okay, 80s, 70s kind of home and a brand looks like brand new metal retrofit windows, or maybe they're aluminum, but they, they've got a funny little thing. They don't have fins. They're retrofit installed after the fact. And it looks like they're leaking. So across the bottom of that sill, that's where the water's coming in, causing some water damage to the insulation and probably getting the drywall wet and mushy and whatever. So <clears throat> they've asked some questions here. Um, we were sold something that we thought was awesome. And this gets back into, I think I've, I covered that. All these deals are going through now. No inspection. No, we're waiving all rights to everything. And what do you think is going to happen? So there is a complicated transaction going on. I've got a real estate agent. I've got an appraiser. I've got an inspector. I've got a seller. I've got, you know, maybe I can keep going down the line. Maybe the VA. I don't know. But we've got lots of people in this. And so you were potentially misled by somebody. So that's where we go to the seller's disclosure statement, which is called Form 17. And so this is where they would be putting things like, uh, has work been done on the home? Yes, no. If yes, did you get a permit? If yes, did it, was it done by a you know, licensed professional? Um, and so was remodeling work done? Window replacement. Um, any history of leaks? Why did these windows need to get replaced? Were the old ones leaking and they put them in, but they said, no, no, no new leaks. Okay. Uh, looks fairly new, like a new install. So is there any window installation warranty, depending on your state? I think these guys were from Illinois. So I don't know those state laws, but are things good for 12 months, regardless of buyer? Are they, is there just a standard for, you know, look that up. Um, let's go to the agent. How did the agent describe the property? And I'm, I'm, we've defended and gone against agents and title companies and all that stuff. And so what comes back to haunt them is uh, nice flyers saying brand new windows work professionally done by the best guy in town and guaranteed no leaks and they did some water testing and they found no issues. Uh, we guarantee it and this is the best job ever. Okay, here's the flyer that describes what you're buying and ooh, maybe they went out onto a limb a little bit there. Uh, or maybe they email. We see the, oh no, this is performed by the best guy in town. He does the best work. And yeah, be careful of your disclosure stuff or just watch. There can be several people there or several parties there. Uh, a lot of them have insurance or insurance policies. So later we discovered the inspector was not even licensed. Oh, okay. So who's this guy? Doesn't have a license, probably doesn't have a business. He's now sole proprietor. His home and truck are on the line. Uh, maybe he has a uh, umbrella insurance coverage. I don't know. 
Uh, are they connected? Are the real estate agent and inspector married? Remember the financial interest or the improper influence? My honey's listing needs to sell. I better not tell them it's bad. So looks great. Oh, wait, husband and wife are now a pair. So in Washington, we actually, uh, in the after 2008, so the Frank Dodd Act, I believe it is, uh, made lots of rules around this. And so disclosure is still very important, whether you get uh, an inspection or not. So there's lots of people in here. Um, Google it, get a good, get a good real estate attorney that specializes in this stuff and they can walk you through that. I can make sure these windows never leak again and help you put the building back together, but you kind of have some issues to deal with there. So the thought being stuck in the eternal courtroom and pay more to lawyers in the end. Eh, yeah. There's a theory that says, save your money for the fix, not the fight. And so how much am I going to pay lawyers and fighting and years and all this stuff versus how much am I going to, how much is this fixing the cost? It's going to suck, but I just need to suck it up and do it. So that's where I would go with this question. Oh, and then how does your insurance, what does your insurance company say with respect to hidden water damage? Maybe there is some insurance company. Who knows? Uh, there's, there's lots of potential here. And so keep looking. Okay, last question. So foundation is falling. I am interested in purchasing a beautiful 1900 cottage. The foundation appears to be in decent condition, but there are obvious concerns. Interested in getting an inspection before I make an offer with an eye to the condition of the foundation, necessary repairs, potential cost to retrofit, et cetera. Um, send us a couple photos. Obviously we can't say, uh, yeah, your foundation is bad from two photos, but where we would start with this is 1900s. We know that rebar really hit uh, reinforced concrete, 1910, 1920. And so this is likely unreinforced concrete. And so the cracking or the brittleness can be very quickly determined by taking a hammer and tapping along the face of it. And you'll hear it like almost a hollow knock, 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 and then solid, solid, solid. And then you'll, you'll be able to, it's like a piece of big piece of peanut brittle and you'll be able to see where it's cracked or delaminating or coming apart. So give it the hammer test. This is just knocking on it. Uh, look for big cracks. Look for, it has this funny, looks like air pockets or some kind of rough surface there. I'm not too worried about that. But this is one of those things we can't answer over the, over the phone and just say, sure, it looks great. But we'd have to look at how tall the structure is, how much load is on this footing, you know, on and on, on. So we would say, we can help you, but we need an engineer to get out there and uh, take a look at things, maybe even for seismic. So, uh, you know, there's several things going on here, but good for them for saying, I've got a specific concern. I need to add, amp it up a little bit, go a little bit further. And so back to, back to our inspections on your things. Obviously, if you're in a competitive situation, you can't inspect anyway, it doesn't matter. But a lot of inspectors, they have the baseline and then they'll, have, they'll let you uh, buy more. And so for a little bit deeper dive, I'll do some deeper digging or we'll look around a little bit more. And that can help you too, in the sense of, hey, we still miss something. I paid for the deeper dive. What happened? Why did I, I feel like I got the base model and I didn't get the upgrade. So those are some things to talk to, to your inspector about. So that is all seven questions. 
Uh, so let's one more thing here and we are cruising. We've got 10, 12 minutes. Uh, one thing we wanted to mention, and this is data driven. Everybody says they're busy. Um, you know, there's still time to get in on springtime inspections and maintenance and repair. Calendar's filling up fast, of course. The next question is why, why should I do this? And I'd kind of ask you, do you think prices are going up or down? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, but I just get the feeling they're not going down. Uh, and this is what our data says, you know, here's our, here's our proposal tracking software. So yeah, we're, we're usually sending 35, 40 proposals out 22 days a month. That's one and a half proposals. This is as of last week, it's 50. We're going to hit over 60 proposals this month. That's three a day. And so 60 divided by 20, 22 days, working days, um, you're getting three a day. We're screaming out of here. Uh, 10 on 40 is a 20% uptick from last month. Um, the, they're bigger than they were. I mean, we're getting a lot of, a lot of bigger things going on. So, uh, and here's the open meaning they haven't made a decision yet. You can see, yeah, okay, 25, but you know, roughly eight or 10 are undecided. We've got 34 that if half of those come in, we're just going to be buried on top of buried. So it's like, People still want to do this stuff. So why? Why are people still signing up for these things? Interest rates are going up. We want to get the loan. Uh, we want to get onto the contractor schedule, et cetera. So don't, don't uh, shirk that. Something important to get, get going on there. So don't forget, we're going to be back every month. Last Tuesday, some, sometimes there's five Tuesdays. Most of the time there's four. But we're looking at 3.30 last Tuesday of the month for an hour talking about it. So Let's jump to, oh, let's do a quick, uh, quick poll. Let's do two quick polls. Okay, pick a number between one and 50. I'm gonna write down the first number, pick another number between one and 50. I'm gonna write down the second number. Whoever gets closest to that, the first number wins the cup. Nice travel mug with a lid, stainless steel, double wall. Second person wins the J2 brew. Enter your number into the chat and we will come back to that while I'm looking at our Q&A. Brooke will keep a track on that and I don't see any open questions. So this is awesome. So we can spend a little bit more time on this. So we can go to, uh, let's, let's let it go here for a minute. Enter your number quick to win a coffee mug and coffee. The first number, the first, there you go. Koi, good job. 23 and 12, uh, 23 and 49. Ooh, are you getting, is the video camera on? You guys are pretty close. <clears throat> okay. All right, we're going TikTok, TikTok. We're going to close down the first one. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, time's up. First number was, let's get it showing here. 30. First number was 30. Okay. Who was close to 30? Ellen wins a mug. Uh, Brooke will get with you, Ellen, get a mailing address. Second number, go TikTok, TikTok. We got two participants on the second number. And we've got a big spread between one and 50. We've got 12 and 49. Ellen and Mary, get in there, get those last numbers entered. We're going to close it. We're going to shut it down. Somebody's going to win some coffee. Three, two, 
one, one new message. Oh, 17 and 17. All right. Ooh. Strategy. Okay. Okay. We are now closed. Second number. Well, no, there we go. I'll give it to you. Oh, no, that's not. Okay. We're close. Second number. 24. 24. Ellen got her 12 in. Okay. Who's close to 24? Second number. 49 is far away from 24. 12, 17, 17, I think is closest to, <clears throat> closest to the coffee. Coffee goes to Mary. So, okay. That's some swag giveaway. Uh, the, in the chat there, Ellen will reach back out to you and we'll get that stuff taken care of. So the open questions, there are no questions today and any more chat. So thank you all for attending the first episode. Submit your questions, send us your questions. Don't be afraid to jump on a uh, live consult call with us and uh, let's talk to you and answer your building questions as easily as we can there, uh, just like that. So then that was Q&A. Uh, don't forget to schedule a call, talk to us. Hello at J2, j2consultants.com. Follow us on social, Facebook, YouTube, uh, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, etc. You'll find us there. Uh, for everybody who can't uh, participate today, we will be sending out the repeat or the uh, recorded version. So feel free to share that with your uh, other team or boards or, or uh, various, various workmates, etc. So thank you so much for attending. Have a great rest of the day.